What would you learn about leadership in workplace culture if you stepped out of the front lines and mopped the floors, stocked the shelves, or made the deliveries? Nora Burns, a leading expert in leadership in workplace culture, did just that. As a Fortune 200 executive, Nora Burns witnessed the phenomenon of disconnection between the boardroom and the break room and its cost to organizations. She became obsessed with understanding that disconnect and bridging the gap between titled and informal leaders while remaining in touch with all levels of the organization. In the years she invested analyzing leaders and working as the undercover employee for big brands, Nora uncovered some truly remarkable stories. More importantly, she discovered the four attributes that create stronger connection and more effective workplace culture. Now, more than ever, understanding and prioritizing these elements is critical to organizational success. She takes her coffee black. So with us on the podcast today is keynoter, retreat facilitator, and consultant, Nora Burns. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit. It's Shenda Wall. And today on the show, I have leadership development and workplace culture expert, Nora Burns. Nora, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Nora, for those that may not be familiar with you and who you are, what you do, just give us a little bit of a rundown about who you are. Uh, well, as you shared in the intro, I have this background in human resources and organizational development, working for large and small organizations. And uh, probably the most unique qualifier to me is the fact that I am the undercover, both candidate and employee, the undercover candidate and the undercover employee, because I did a whole lot of independent research into this uh, when I saw those disconnects between different layers of the organization. So what does that mean to be an undercover employee? Um, To be an undercover employee, I actually worked on the front lines of five different Fortune 500 organizations where they did not know that I'm an expert in leadership and workplace culture, but rather they saw me as the cashier or the customer service rep, the warehouse staff or delivery driver, right? So as far as they were concerned, I was every other person on their payroll. But what I was really doing was studying how that leadership interaction was taking place and what was happening with the workplace culture from the front line instead of from the executive suite, where I'd been looking at that for the last dozen plus years. Yeah, right. I think there's a lot of stuff that gets missed as it trickles down from that C-suite boardroom when it gets to the front line. And that's, I'm sure what they see is when maybe the strategies tend to unravel because they don't necessarily know whether the frontline employees have the same access to information or even the same commitment to that strategy or even understanding why they are trying to do what they have to do to support that strategy. Yeah, the Those- why is huge. The why is huge and how, how things get uh, translated in essentially a huge game of telephone that we're playing from the boardroom to the break room. My gosh, you know, that's just one, I, I would love to talk to you. I feel like hours on end about your undercover research, but prior to this, we were talking a little bit about, you know, just how things have changed. I know that me and leadership development, you as leadership development, we've obviously seen a big change as a result of COVID. And you had mentioned before we went live, we were just talking about how employee needs have changed. 
share with our listeners kind of what's different about leading today and how maybe our needs are a little bit different or our employee needs are different for organizations. Uh, Yeah, the employee needs have changed dramatically in the last month uh, to two months, three months, depending upon where in the world you are and where you were when uh, COVID really took over your space, right? But we have essentially taken employees back to the very baseline understanding of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right now, we're talking about baseline safety and security issues. It is no longer the, um, you know, the, the foosball table in the break room, the fact that we've got happy hour after Friday, you know, kind of a thing. It's, it's how do you take it back to making sure that people have core safety, security, and an understanding that of where their company is going and what their role is in it. And in order for people to be really productive in their jobs right now, which is a tough ask, quite frankly, uh, they need to make sure that those other things are taken care of, right? Like this is, this is always true, but it's, but it's accentuated right now. Is my mortgage getting paid? Is my rent getting paid? Do I have a safe methodology by which to take care of myself, my family, my community? Yes, it's and there are things that, you know, I like to say that up until today, we could kind of skirt around not addressing emotions in the workplace, but I feel like everything that we're seeing in a result of COVID is naturally lends itself to emotions. And that us as leaders really need to step into that space of maybe discomfort and talk about emotions, address the safety of your team, address you know, how they feel about their role in the organization. I mean, if you're a leader, I can guarantee that if you're in maybe an industry that might be impacted negatively right now, that you might have someone on your team that is very afraid of losing their job. And that fear is going to trickle into how they actually show up for the job. Uh, Without question, there has never been, I think, I think addressing the fact that people show up as their whole selves with all of their emotion is an important in any situation, right? Because we need one of the elements that I talk about uh, in the echo effect is, is the humanizing it, right? Like to humanize your workforce. And that means accepting the person in their whole, understanding the emotions. And right now, because of the level of fear and anxiety that's happening in the unknowns, all of that is elevated. All of that has been Uh, taken to just a heightened level and there's nothing to hide behind because now we have no choice but to deal with those emotions. And there's never been a a time where emotional intelligence was more important, at least in my lifetime here at work, right? Understanding emotional intelligence, how you show up, what your emotions are, how that's having a ripple effect on your team, all of it really needs to be addressed. Because even if they're not worried about having a paycheck, right? Because there's some industries that are going to flourish in the midst of this. Uh, if it's not even worrying about having a paycheck, it's, it's the idea that they might transmit to this to their family if they're, ha- if they're an essential worker and they have to be out of the house and, and out on the job. But also what's happening with the other members of their family and elderly parents or grandparents or nieces and nephews and, and other people around that they don't have firsthand contact with. It's a really, really difficult time. It's just, and it's a, you know, it's a new time. It's a new experience. You had touched on it. We haven't seen it before in our lifetimes, how quickly the state of work changed. 
But you talk about the echo effect, which is essentially, I love it because it's a way of us and maybe as us as leaders of things that we could be doing today to position us to be ready for what tomorrow brings. Tell us a little bit about what your concept of the echo effect is. Uh, well, I, I have long said that there's always this echo that happens with every touch point that a leader has uh, with members of their team and that every team member has with other members of the team, right? It, it impacts for a longer time than what we realize every single touch point that we have. And again, right now, it's, it's even more true. So in developing your workplace culture, in looking at how you're, what you're going to stand for as an organization, mission, vision, values, not only what's up on that break room wall, because quite frankly, it doesn't matter what you wrote up on the break room wall. What matters is how you show up in a day-to-day experience. Um, and I think before, pre-pandemic, um, organizations were able to hide a little bit of that, of, of the truth of who they really were as organizations. And they, they might hide behind what that mission, vision, values are. And right now, there's nothing to hide behind. It's all kind of stripped bare and, and you're showing up. Your workplace culture is kind of out on display because of how you're talking to your employees every day. And that, that has a ripple effect. It has what I call an echo effect in that it continues to go on and live on as your employment brand. Uh, both with your current employees as well as potential future employees. And that is that encompasses the experience that your employees have from the time they're candidates until the time they're hired and then they leave. It encompasses the level of communication that you have with them in terms of, especially right now, right? In times of chaos and change, we need to communicate even more. But how much we're communicating effectively with our employees, and it's the level of humanizing. One of the biggest issues that I saw as the undercover employee was the really the lack of humanization of team members across the organization. There was a lot of um, just a, an insignificance kind of feelings on the front lines. And then um, the O in our ECHO acronym is to own it. And this is really critical right now because what I mean by that is the number of times I heard from frontline managers, supervisors, directors, right? Like general managers locally, uh, things like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's the policy. That's what headquarters said. Uh, that's what, oh, that's from home office. And like this, I'm washing my hands. <laughs> it's not a great metaphor right now. <laughs> I'm washing my hands of it, right? Like I'm, everybody's washing their hands, uh, but they're taking no ownership of why we're doing things or, or digging in and, and being that bumper to go up and get more information if it's necessary. They're just kind of saying, oh, that's just how it is. And that's not going to help to, to grow and, and uh, engage your frontline workforce. So, so the echo is both understanding that there is this echo effect, right? Like the things we do are heard not only today, but tomorrow the next day and the next day. Um, and now I'd actually argue that um, the, the, the things that we're doing with our teams right now, the decisions we're making, the behaviors we are taking place, that the behaviors that are taking place in our organizations will have an impact on our organizational reputation, not only for days, weeks, and years, but truly for decades. Like This will have a legacy, be it a good one or a bad one. But it'll echo through many, many years to come how employees are being treated right now with regard to each of those elements. 
So Echo is, that was such, I love the description. I especially love the emphasis on ownership because I think that's a really easy thing to get lost, especially with the quick transition from a face-to-face to a virtual setting where we've maybe had to adjust some of our policies, which if people aren't taking ownership, it's a lot difficult to maintain business as normal. But you talk about ECHO and it's an acronym, right? It is an acronym and it is a, and it is a reality. <laughs> so it's, um, it is, I, the, the acronym is experience, communication, humanize, and own it. And those are really four key elements to developing an effective workplace culture and to managing your way through any kind of tumultuous time like we're in right now. And it is very much reality in terms of the fact that people share their experiences with family, with friends, with community. Now we share them on Glassdoor and on, um, you know, out on people actually share them on Yelp, their employee experiences, which sometimes get edited off of there, but also out on Indeed and other, other boards that have opportunities for employees to say, hey, what was it like to really work there? And now that echo has gone beyond that communication has gone beyond those levels. And now it's going into the news, right? Both good and bad. Like the exciting stuff, the exciting stuff is the fact that the really positive echoes are the CEOs, the executive teams that have put their own finances aside for the benefit of the frontline worker and for their organization. So we've heard about several CEOs who've said, I'm going to not take a salary or bonus at all during 2020 or who've said, I'm only going to take $20,000 or $30,000 and the rest of what was going to be my salary and bonus gets donated back to the organization to make sure we've got masks and gloves and enough pay to pay extra overtime for those who are really having to work a lot of hours right now and, and taking care of the front line at their own expense. That, that's, oh, that's an awesome echo. Because five, 10 years from now, people are still going to say, Remember when? Remember when they actually waived their own finances so that we could make it through that? That's that's how much they care. Yeah. And that's where I want to work. And you think about it now, that's going to be how people talked about the Google pods, right? So all the stuff that came out when Google had made the Google, well, the, uh, Google complex, Google plex, Google plex, that's what it's called, um, where there's like sleeping pods and there's, um, you know, the, vend- the all free vending machines. And remember when those things were first coming, kind of coming out and people were talking about them and like, oh, wow, what a, what a crazy thing. And how awesome. And the people would be like, oh, I want to work there, right? Because how cool is that, that they have all of this stuff? Um, and I think right now, what we're finding is the organizations that will be that in another five and 10 years, when people say, oh, the CEOs, who rolled up their sleeves, the CEOs who donated their own payback, the executive teams who, who made sure that our community was taken care of, that not only I was taken care of as an employee, but my spouse, my family, they're taking care of transportation, they're taking care of making sure we're safe, right? With gloves and masks and all of those types of things. Oh, those are the organizations that people are going to be talking about for years to come in a positive way, the same way we've been talking about the exciting changes that Google brought into workplace culture for the last 10 years. I love how that connects with what you were saying earlier that right now your employees' needs are changing. So what was appealing once about Google, which sleeping pods, free vending machines, is not necessarily the thing at the forefront to employees today that 
they actually want to be at a place that is concerned about whether or not they will be safe or healthy or eat or that they have a human leader that connects with them and cares about them. You know, there's a value shift in terms of our employees and what they're really wanting. They are. And I'm confident Google's making that that change. They're not a client of mine. They've never been a client of mine. And I also think highly enough of them as an organization that I'd be super surprised if they're not leading that in a lot of ways in their own organization. Um, But the idea right now of a sleeping pod um, that somebody else has slept in is actually a little horrifying. (laughs) Right, like it's kind of like watching television of any kind. Now you, kind of, I, I watch it. it, it I, a, what's interesting to me is I've never watched a lot of television, and I'm watching even less right now. When you would think I would have more time, um, a part of it is when I do watch anything, a commercial, a show, anything, and people are touching and doing, and you're like, no, right, like uh, because our frame of reference from a society has changed. So some of those things, like the, you know, uh, that that had been offered, are probably not as appealing. And really needing to transition and say, okay, now some of the important things are, um, there's a huge, uh, of course, hygiene and how do we make sure that everything is clean and everything is safe? And what were we sharing before that doesn't make sense to share now, right? We've had lots of shared workstations and for a lot of organizations who had a big boom in growth, that was a very popular thing to do where you had shared workstations. And at least for the next several months, that's really unappealing um, unless we've got really strong protocols in, in terms of how we make that, how we make that transition from one employee to the other. Um, The safety and security elements are going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Basic human needs going with how you started it. So the echo effect, that E for experience. So is experience then about what we have in terms of the operational experience, what we, whether we have our resources to do our job, or is it kind of like the experience of knowing that we're supported by someone? What does that mean? I take experience down to the very specific employee element. What is my experience been with the organization, with the brand? Um, and are we making sure that us as individual employees are having that, that positive experience? And I think for right now, there's going to be a lot of focus on that on safety and security. So I think of it in a reimagining, which I spent so much of my time reimagining kind of that candidate experience, the hiring process experience, and then the onboarding experience, right? So right now, there are some organizations that are really flourishing and they are growing and they're adding staff. Well, how do you, how do, you do that differently? in a COVID-19 world, right? What resources are we providing for our candidates in terms of doing video interviews? And are we training our hiring teams on how you interview via video? Because it is different. It's a different experience. And uh, we've learned all of these things. Um, A lot of people have learned these things like body language signals and signs that are going to be different on video. Because one of the things a lot of people don't know if they're interviewing on on video, for example, to look at the camera and not to look at the screen. Because if I'm looking at the screen, uh, some of those hiring managers are going to read that as I'm looking shifty because I'm actually often looking down. I'm looking off to the side because I'm looking at their faces, um, which has nothing to do with if I'm looking shifty or telling the truth or not telling the truth or all that kind of a thing. It's a technology issue, right? So. So 
So anyhow, so back to the original is what is that employee's experience with, with um, their hiring process? When they first came on board, were people expecting to see them? Were they, you know, were they treated with respect all the way from the beginning? But now we transition that to a COVID-19 world. So it's not only are you getting back to people and are you responding to, to resumes and to calls about from candidates and those types of things, but it's are you making sure that they are safe through that process? Are you addressing their safety, security, and are you ready to answer their questions about how your organization is dealing with COVID-19 to make sure that they're coming in with a positive story about your organization looking out for them? Yeah. And even you might have to be prepared to answer some questions that you maybe wouldn't feel that you had to answer outside of COVID, such as even like the state of the business. Are we going to make it? Will I have a job? That's something that I think many organizations, especially private organizations, wouldn't necessarily feel as inclined to share. But right now it actually becomes a tool that you can use to help soften or alleviate some of that anxiety, which is naturally going to occur as a result of COVID. So let's talk about the C. Or, oh, wait, were you going to add something? I don't want to, I, I want to hear. No, you I'm just, I, am, I, I can go down the path of any one of these uh, elements for an extended period of time. Um, as I pull forward, um, you know, experiences as that undercover employee, and I think of kind of where we are, what our current state is, in terms of safety and security in a lot of organizations. And, and quite frankly, it's a, it's a little scary to me. So I'm really excited and hopeful that organizations are going to step up to this because I'm flashing right now in my brain to, to things like cutting my hand um, while I was working and a little, a little cut, but looking for a Band-Aid and nobody knew where the first aid kit was. Um, and then when we got the first aid kit, everything in the first aid kit was expired. And not by like a little, like, by like four years. And, and I'm thinking that's, that's a pretty baseline OSHA audit checkoff, right? Kind of a thing. Let's make sure yeah. we've got a you know, first aid kit that takes care of a things. And um, so we are, we are asking organizations to go from, I didn't have a first aid kit available that had all of the like up-to-date basic needs to we have to protect them from a, from a pandemic virus, right? So that's a big gap. And I'm excited. I'm excited that the, the kinds of people who listen to your podcast, right? The kinds of people who are continuous learners and leadership are the exact people who are going to step up to that challenge and say, okay, wait, what are we doing? If I shift perspective, and that's my biggest ask of anybody is, can you shift perspective and pretend for just a little bit that you are working on the front lines of your business, that you are working at the customer-facing point, and 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 really immerse yourself in that experience, in that idea, and do that thought experiment, and say, what would I want? What would I need? What would I want to make sure was available? And I'm excited that the people who are listening to this are the people who are willing to do that thought experiment. That excites me. Yeah, shifting perspective. This is just such a great time to be able to think that. There is a different way that we can do things. And maybe it's by force, or maybe now you can look at it as an opportunity. You can start a new chapter in multiple facets of your organization. Hi, everyone. It's Jen Dewell, and I just wanted to drop in with a quick note. Do your managers know how to build an effective team? Can they create an environment where teamwork is encouraged while setting appropriate benchmarks and delivering projects on time? 
Are they able to align expectations so their team works effectively toward common goals? You hired the right team. Now let us help you develop them. Crestcom offers a robust leadership development program that focuses on results. Each month, participants learn and apply key leadership skills and tools that will unite teams and drive organizational growth. We are serious about accountability. After each class, we help participants apply those leadership skills in group coaching sessions. Are you ready to take your leadership development to the next level? Contact us at Crestcom.com so we can help you develop your leaders. And now, back to our podcast. Now, I want to continue to go through the, the echo effect. So we talked about experience. So the experience that, um, that employees have in your organization that right now as a result of COVID, we really need to be sensitive and aware to that experience. What does the C stand for? Uh, the C is for communication, which I should be like a huge capital C, of course. Oh my gosh, communicate, uh, communicate, communicate. Communicate, communicate. And when in doubt, communicate again. Uh, this is, this is, uh, shockingly a gap that I, that I recognize as the undercover employee. And it's interesting because again, having been an executive, having put together the communication plans for a variety of different, uh, things, both good news and bad news, you know, everything from big hiring to being bought out by a bigger company to, um, to, to layoffs, to, um, product development, right? Having been part of communication strategies for a lot of those, um, I had a very specific look at what corporate communication looked like. And then I'm on the front lines and it, it didn't translate. It didn't come through. It, it missed a chain of command. It missed somewhere along the line to the point of, um, there was one organization that I was working at and, and it's worth noting, I never, ever disclose the names of the organizations where I worked. So it's not about blame and shame. It is about what can we collectively learn from the trends that were present across all five organizations. And so I don't ever disclose um, the organizations or, or say anything that would give them away, right? So uh, it'd be easy enough for any organization to look in their payroll records and see if my name's there to know if I was there or not. <laughs> they, can, they can find it out. We don't need to... We don't need to share that. Um, but I was working at one organization and I, I had been off work for just two days, ironically, to go deliver the opening keynote at a medical conference is a slight shift in perspective from working my cashier job. Um, so then I got off and I'd done my normal job. So I'd gone and done this opening keynote at a, at a conference down in New Orleans. And uh, I came back and uh, something was just off. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'm like, something has changed. Like, um, just like this disturbance in the forest feeling, but not knowing what it was. And nobody was saying anything in particular. There wasn't something obvious. And, uh, I just couldn't put my finger on what it was. And I thought, "Mm, something's off. And I actually thought it might have to do with the fact that I had done this big shift from, you know, being the, being the keynote speaker, which is one very specific role to being back um, as a, as a cashier wearing my polyester uniform. And so I kind of thought it might have to do with that. I thought, Oh, I'm going to think on that and what, what's going on with me on that. And then as I was leaving work that day, I looked off to the right-hand side in the, in the, in the entrance to the store. And I noticed that the general manager's photo was no longer behind the plexiglass where it said, welcome to our store. General manager is the photo wasn't there. 
And I was like, huh. And I turned back and I go back to the security guard where I just showed them my bag to make sure I wasn't stealing anything from the store. So, hey, how come, you know, so-and-so's photo isn't up there? And like, they like quit, walked off the job two days ago. <laughs> wow. Like, what? Like, so my boss quit while I was out for two days and no, nobody said anything. Nobody made sure that the people who were not present that day at that time, when that happened, were aware of it. And I was like, oh, well, that explains why there was this weird air in the room all day, right? So, I mean, like, that's a pretty significant element to not communicate to your team. And if we're missing big things like that, then we're missing lots and lots of little things. And I watched it happen where I, if you weren't present at that one meeting where that information was shared, there was no way for you to have that information because things were shared once. And in, when things are going smoothly, when things are going well, you need to communicate information that's important to the organization and to all of the team more than once. Now, in the middle of this, the pace of, of, of change in terms of how our communities are dealing with this, in terms of how our families are dealing with this, our companies are dealing with this, um, it's, it needs to be on a regular basis. You really need, and not, um, and it needs to be effective. It can't be another email that goes out to everybody that says, here's the update and status of our COVID-19. Oh my gosh. I have now, I, I have all but put a filter on those. I'm, I'm so close to just putting a filter that if the subject line says COVID-19, it just goes into spam because it's, that's not the communication that people need. Um, they need to know that people real- have already evolved too. understanding. Like, I think there's something to be said about understanding your audience, what they're going through and what's important to them. I think, you know, and sorry to kind of jump in. I think that's what we're seeing some challenges in terms of the world of influencing and celebrity and how, you know, there've been some that have really been criticized for their lack of considering their audience, maybe feeling a little bit toned off or out of touch. And your organizational emails can also create that same effect where you can feel toned off. If your employees are really concerned about where and what their job is going to look like, and you're trying to get them to celebrate you know, 100 years at the company, even though that's a great yeah. thing, that's not going to mean that much to them right now. Yeah, that has to get reframed. That has to get reframed. And it does come back to both tone deaf as well as the emotional element, right? Is it something that I want to open? I want to read. I want to look at. If there's important information in there, it has to be sent in a way that I want I want to open it. And having the subject line be COVID-19 update isn't going to do that. Um, not for your employees internally and not for your uh, customers externally. Yeah. And there is the sensitivity and this awareness of what's happening. Now here's, okay, here's one element of that, right? We talked a little bit about safety and security. And I think about this idea as Colorado looks towards the future and reopening um, restaurants, bars, that kind of a thing. And I, we don't have a date as we're recording this. We don't have a date for when that might happen. Um, but one of the things that was shocking to me on the front lines that I had been tone deaf about, that I had not considered, um, I have the luxury of being a person who has a, a safe home, right? That I have um, enough space for myself. I don't have to shove 
six people into a two bedroom apartment. Right. And that is, that is an absolute luxury. And, um, what I, the part of that, that I hadn't fully appreciated was the fact that I have a washer and dryer in my home where when I come home at the end of the day, um, and I smell like whatever food that restaurant happened to be making that where I was serving, I could take all of that off and put it straight into the washer and, and not give it another thought. And um, realizing that I was the only one at that particular location for, for, what, for whom that was true. Everyone else either had an apartment building where they had to go and pay $2, $3, $4 to wash their uniform, um, or they had to go to a laundromat. And that escalates that. So I think about an easy, an easy, easy baseline thing is maybe before we gave everybody two uniforms and now we're going to give them five so that they can get through a whole week because I don't want anybody in the age of COVID-19 um, re-wearing any clothes, right? I don't want you re-wearing your uniform top from today to tomorrow. And I know and appreciate that you don't have the methodology to wash that in your own house. And I don't want to make you pay a, almost a almost an hour's wage in order to wash it. I don't want people trying to wash them out in their, in their sinks, right? Um, so an easy, an easy way to enhance that and to say, we really do care about you is you have a uniform for every day of the week, whatever that uniform is, if it's an apron, if it's a vest, if it's a t-shirt and, and polyester pants, whatever that is, there's a minimum of five that's dispersed to everyone, right? Sends the message we care. And it says that you're not tone deaf about the situation that most of them are living in. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. I never even thought about that. Like in another way that you could just consider or just, you know, kind of anticipate or step in their shoes and think, but how could you make it easier? Especially right now when those, you know, the essential workers, the frontline employees are likely experiencing more stress than they've ever had on the job before. And so the little things that they can do, oh my gosh, I think that's such a great consideration. Hi, everyone. It's Jen Dewall, and I just wanted to drop in with a quick note. Are you looking for a proven program to improve your management team's communication skills and create happier and more productive employees? Are your leaders able to take your strategy and break it down effectively for their teams to achieve your vision? Are they able to inspire and motivate their employees to produce real results and meet daily demands? Great managers don't happen overnight. Partner with Crestcom to develop your team and obtain results. Whether you are looking to improve employee engagement and reduce turnover or cultivate a more inclusive culture, our intensive leadership development program provides a diverse set of tools and skill sets for leaders to thrive in today's workforce. Contact us at Crestcom.com so we can help you develop your leaders. And now back to our podcast. Let's go on to the H. So the echo effect. So E is the experience. C is communication. So communicate, 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 especially right now. What is the H? The H is humanize. Uh, one of my greatest shocks as the undercover employee was the fact that when I go into the break room and talk with my fellow workers and they saw me as a peer, because again, they don't know. Um, they don't know that I'm an expert in leadership and workplace culture. They're saying as a peer, as the cashier, as the, as the housekeeper, et cetera. And I'd sit in the break room and say, so it's so like, what do you do here? Like, I'm new. Like, what's your job? 
And what would the answer was consistent, so consistent, because the answer was, I'm just a, and then whatever their job title was, right? I'm just a cashier. I'm just a warehouse employee. I'm just a apartment manager. I heard all the way up to general manager, which is a little shocking, uh, but I'm just a, and it didn't matter who I was asking in which organization I asked. This happened across the board in all five organizations where people would say, I'm just a, I thought, God, that's just so fascinating to me and, and incredibly sad um, because we are, in fact, a capitalistic society. We do not pay for any job that does not need doing, right? There, every yeah. single job within our organizations has significance. And um, we're going to have some work to do on that when we get back, uh, when we get back into everybody being back at work because this whole um, who's essential needs to be not misunderstood as who's important, right? Um, and because it's it's different from what's essential to keep a society working on a day-to-day basis to uh, in the larger scheme of life, right? It's it's all those jobs are all of those folks are really important. But um, but yeah, but getting past the justas and realizing there are no justa jobs, and what are we doing on both big, 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 big kind of strategic ways, but also in day-to-day contacts with our um, candidates and with our employees to send the message that they are highly valued and important to us as the organization, to our customers overall. So really needing to get the human back in into the whole concept. And I think there's like the one important thing that I would note is don't confuse being human with thinking that you can try and show them that you're human. Because I think, and what I mean by that is, I think sometimes people misuse the word authentic because they, you know, want to try and seem like they might be more human or more approachable, but people can kind of tell that they're not necessarily being truthful in that. So be honest, Mm -hmm. like be transparent, especially right now. If you are a business leader, I would be surprised to hear that you're not stressed, that you're not to considering and questioning what will the future look like for our organization. It is okay to talk about the fact that you might share some of those same fears, some of those same like cautious questions. You know, don't pretend that everything is amazing when it's not for the sake of trying to be relatable and trying to be a cheerleader because people will be able to see right through it. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And the humanized element totally is, is, is on both sides of that relationship. Right. And I think, um, it's, it's to, to recognize the fact that we are, uh, as leaders, we have our own humanness and to recognize that all of the people that work with and for us and, and within the organization, um, have their own level of humanness and where they are at any given moment might be different, right? Cause we are in the middle of a really big grieving process. And uh, just like any grieving process, people are at different points at different times and there's no right or wrong way to grieve like the loss of a loved one, the loss of an opportunity, or in this case, the loss of what was normal, right? And so we're at those different points, but to be able to, to honor that, um, I think right now, part of that big humanized element is the fact that we can't expect people to be able to turn off their emotions about all of this when they log in at the beginning of the day uh, or when they, the people that are showing up physically at work, when they cross that threshold, 
that doesn't take away the reality of everything that's happening in their, in their reality as a human being right now. So while we want people, um, we want to help people get focused at work. And one of the best ways we can do that, of course, is to what we've talked about, make sure they do feel safe and secure and they know that we're being, we're taking care of them. I think to, to assume that as soon as they log in, they switch from life to work in this scenario, in this day and age, it just isn't the reality. No. And it is funny that people kind of, um, I think, operate under the notion that humans are able to compartmentalize. Our brains are extremely sophisticated, but that should exactly show you that they are going to work in career um, or work career, personal life are all going to be tied together. It's not, we can't just look at one in a vacuum. You get both of them. And that's not necessarily an employee bringing their personal problems to, to work. We just have a, a, we have a global pandemic right now. This is something, and it's actually, if we're thinking about humanizing things, COVID gives you the opportunity to speak from a shared experience beyond even just your organization. So if you are someone that struggles with personally connecting, this is might be one of your ways to finally start to show them that you are human because we are all going through this. No matter where you are in the world, you are impacted by this. No matter what your economic class is, you are impacted by this in some way. And so if you're looking for those points of commonality to relate with people, to be more influential, the time is now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally is. And it's getting it. I had this uh, conversation the other day with one of my uh, coaching clients and, uh, and they shared something along this lines of like, I kind of feel like I always have to be the strong one and I always have to be whatever. And I said, now, do you think of that? Do you think the same is true when you're talking to me as your coach, right? As your executive coach, do you think that I have to be always in the yes, optimistic, positive and sat and sat with that for a second and went like, no, like I'd be really worried if you didn't express any concern about this, because I would be worried that that level of compartmentalization actually shows a very different issue, right? So it's a logical issue. Um, And I said, no, there's, as you go through this, there are going to be easier days and there are going to be harder days. And on any given moment, and actually, quite frankly, like with grieving, there can be an easier hour and a harder hour. I said, and you need to develop methodology and the, the means to make, to make emotionally sound and emotionally intelligent decisions so that you're expressing all of those emotions appropriately into the right person at the right time and all of that. But to, to completely say that they don't exist, you will disconnect from, from the people around you to, yeah. to act like, to act like nothing has changed right now. <laughs> would be, Business as usual. It <laughs> would be really super scary yeah. and, yeah. Um, and not, it would not feed your culture. Well, <laughs> not at all. Oh. Let's no, let's go into the fourth. So let's talk about the fourth piece, the final piece, the O in Echo, which I think if I'm remembering is ownership. Is that right? It, it's own it. It's own, own it. it. Right? It's own it. Just go out there and own it. Uh, and this comes out of the fact that lots of um, times as that undercover employee, I experienced managers, leaders saying, oh, well, that's what the home office says. That's what corporate says. That's what the policy is. 
um, without really digging in and explaining or providing some why or really owning it themselves as part of that family and getting some of those whys to be able to, to share with people on the front lines. And so there was always this, oh, I actually won to the extent that they said, well, if you guys don't start doing this, corporate's going to talk take away this other benefit over here, this completely unrelated benefit. <laughs> I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way if, if we don't start hanging up our uniforms here that they're going to take away personal time, right? Like those two <laughs> things are not. Um, but it was, they were so used to using headquarters as the stick uh, that they didn't have anything else in their toolbox in terms of uh, getting us to do what they wanted us to do and explaining the why of why we need the, why they needed uh, those uniforms hung up right there and, and, and how that helped to feed the process kind of a thing. So to really own it, to, to have some managerial courage. And like right now, I mean, like to have people on the, the managers, leaders, directors, whatever your particular title happens to be within that, or if you're a non-titled leader within your organization, the fact that you're willing to, to ask the questions, to push and give suggestion and say, could we possibly do this other thing? And to take some individual ownership and not just say, oh, I'm going to wait for somebody else to make that decision. I'm not going to give any of my own ideas. I'm not going to suggest anything. Because what it does is if you're saying as a leader, as a manager, as a director, that you're not going to share any ideas, you're not going to bring anything up to try to solve and be innovative during this time, you're actually sending the message to the people on the front line that they don't need to bother. Um, coming up with innovative solutions. You've got so many great innovative solutions on your front lines. People who can solve so many of the challenges within your organization. If somebody will just ask and then listen. Yeah, ask, listen. And I think the other piece that leaders forget, if we want people to own it, we've got to designate that certain level of authority or autonomy to own it. Meaning if you don't give someone any discretion to make a decision, like to go above headquarters, you know, I think about in customer service, if you don't give people flexibility to try and serve the customer and that they can just follow, like they just have to follow the policy, well, then they aren't going to think about what they could do to preserve and make that a great customer experience. And even said in other ways, if we don't give people the authority to make decisions, how would they be innovative for us? Because they feel like they don't have the power to make an impact. So if you want people to own it, you've got to make sure to give them some power. So you that might require you as a leader right now to just release a little bit of the reins of the control, especially because you may not know what's going on because this is new for all of us and see and open up the possibility for other people to step up and be greater leaders than what you could have ever imagined. Oh, this is a huge opportunity to see where you've got some incredible leadership talent throughout your organization. And I'm not saying like, give up all control, all power, everything's, you know, like, you know, you're not accountable to anything. I'm saying, <laughs> then if we've been managing from this place of uh, liken it to like a highway or a road, right? If we've been managing from, from you have to keep it between um, the yellow lines, right? Uh, or you have to keep it between the white lines or you have to keep it, right? Like, is there a way that we could get it closer to the gravel? Can we get it closer to the ditches to say, just keep it. These are the barriers, like keep it between the ditches. Like 
you have some free reign to do these things. This is the budget that you have to do these things. Uh, People will come up with some incredibly useful and innovative solutions, both for their clients as well as for their teams. And you absolutely hit the nail on the head, Jen, in this concept of, you know, if you say you want them to to have like that entrepreneurial spirit, you want them to have that uh, ownership, then you need to be willing to demonstrate the fact that that's a high value, that that has that has significance, and they will be rewarded and not punished for having practiced it. Uh, and I think on uh, with one of the organizations that I worked at, uh, they had um, as many organizations do, they had a price matching policy in terms in in play, and uh, at that time, and uh, except the cashier wasn't trusted to do it. So if you as a customer came up and you were buying something from me and you showed me, like, here it is on your phone. This is the beautiful thing about technology, right? Here it is on your phone that XYZ company is selling this exact same product for, you know, X numbers of dollars. I, as a cashier, had to verify it, but then I had to call a manager and wait for them to come and override it. I did not, even though I was following the policy, I didn't have that authority to say, yes, they had to look at the screen themselves. They didn't trust me as the cashier to look at the screen. And the messaging that that sends in terms of how important I am and if I'm trusted and all of that, but it's definitely telling me not to be innovative because like it is locked down your, to be robotic in the, in the methodology. So I think that's what that brought to mind when you said that, like you have to give the bandwidth uh, for that to happen, for ownership to happen across the organization. My gosh, yes. And I love that. And there's nothing, you know, we we don't realize, I think if you put it in the example of parenting, like you can't do everything for your children, otherwise they won't understand how to think for themselves. I think when we look at it through parenting, people very much understand that. But when we apply it to work, it's like we forget it. Like you can't force feed your employees because you want them to know how to problem solve. You want them to be critical thinkers. And so we do have to allow them to practice exercising that. We can't just say, well, this is exactly what we want to do. Of course, there are some things that have to be done that way. But if you want to have a more competent workforce, we have to start in giving and empowering people the opportunity to maybe even amaze themselves, but solve problems, make decisions. You're a grown adult. We trust you. Oh, we have the exact opportunity right now, right? So this is what we need to do. We need to make sure that we can get product um, to our clients without having human touch, right? So that's, the, that's, that's what we have to do. That's the project. And then being able to allow the people within that team, they're going to come up with some ways. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to, you know, like in, in talk about it and what's the final decision. They're going to be there. They know what the routine is every single day. So they're going to be able to come up with a great pattern and a great methodology by which to do that, that we can then be, have become how we do it across the board, right? And then that's how we do it. But it came from uh, the front line and it didn't come from somebody sitting um, where I have sat in executive row behind the mahogany desk, right? So it's, 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 gonna, it's just going to have a different power and a different authority when it comes. We give them the problem, uh, share the problem with your front lines. They will allow them to come up with a solution and then take it on from there and then push that out across the organization and edit it because that's going to change. 
Well, I love the whole concept of the echo effect. And I think it, you know, I think talking about it today, I hope that what our listeners get is that at a point where we may feel like we don't have a lot of power or control, it sounds like the echo effect is something that we can actually use that's tangible that can help us feel back in control. Like these are legitimate things that we can control. We can control the experience. We can control how we communicate. We can control how we show up and humanize things and we can show up or we can also control ownership by giving authority. I think that is such like that tool, that insight is such a great way to look at it. And I'm just so glad that we were able to share your expertise with our listeners today. Um, I have to ask you one final question that we ask everyone that's on the show. I know it's the big reveal, the big question, but no, the question is there are a lot of leaders that are listening to this podcast. And many of us obviously are listening to podcasts because we want to grow, but we also want to learn from each other. So the final question is what is your leadership habit for success? What is my leadership habit for success? I love that question. Um, I also love the fact that there's not one, right? Um, so I will pick A uh, because I do think um, I do think if there's only one thing you're doing, it's um, it's probably not enough as a leader. There's just too much complexity to to leadership. So uh, I'm going to say I'm going to actually apply it something that I do all the time that is being really beneficial during this COVID uh, nineteen uh, pandemic, and that is that I in practicing the humanizing, I look for shift in perspective and try to tell a different story. So for every situation that comes up, I try to not go to whatever my default story is that is like, oh, they're just trying to make me crazy or right. Cause the, the default story usually is not a particularly generous story to the other people involved. Right. So it's like the, I'm stopped at a traffic light and the car in front of me, um, when the light goes green, doesn't change. Right. So if you're at a traffic light, you're behind one car and the light changes green and the car in front of you doesn't move. Why don't they move? What's the story? They're texting. Right. So the story is often ah, they're texting. They got to get off their phone. It's not a particularly generous story to them. Uh, now, it's possible that they actually just looked off to the right and they actually see that there is a car that's about to blow through the stop sign. And if they uh, go into the intersection, they're going to get hit. Right. That's not usually the first story that we tell because we're not that generous in our stories. So I do constant editing of my stories and looking for the shift in perspective. Like, why would that behavior have just taken place? What is a, a, why would a reasonable and rational human being do what just happened? Because I'm going to trust that that person is a reasonable and rational human being. And uh, if they were somebody that I really loved, honored, and adored, why would they have done that behavior? And then um, it shifts my ability to hear them and to take that information into my decision-making processes. So I think constantly looking for a shift in perspective and looking for the positivity of, of why would a reasonable, rational, and good human being have done that and how, and bring up that idea and how can I then use that for my benefit and the benefit of our organization. Like, I love that leadership habit. I think that's so helpful, even in managing everything that many of us are exposed to right now, just thinking, you know, what, what's that story and could it be seen differently? And if so, why not apply it that way? That's such a powerful 
the, the ability to shift, the ability to reframe. That's such a powerful takeaway. Nora, thank you so much for just sharing all of your wisdom, sharing your experience with us. For those that want to get in touch with you or find out a little bit more about you, where should I send them? I know I can send them to the leadershipexpert.com or the leadershipexperts.com, right? Experts with an S, the leadership, the leadershipexperts.com. Uh, they can find me online there. They can also find me on Twitter and on LinkedIn and on all the things like that. But uh, probably LinkedIn would be the best way to connect. Um, and then I would be thrilled to hear from anybody with their unique questions. And, and I'm glad to get back to them with my perspective from what I've been going through. So, and and uh, my own research and what I've invested in taking a different perspective as the undercover candidate and the undercover employee. So they can find out about me there, about having a conversation about doing consulting, about coaching, about any of this. I'm, I'm glad to help your listeners. Yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nora. We really appreciate it. And for those of you that missed it, you'll see the leadershipexperts.com. That link will be in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. To learn more about Nora and her work, visit her website, www.theleadershipexperts.com. While you're there, sign up for her virtual programs designed to help organizations develop and retain powerful workplace culture or explore having your keynote your next virtual or in-person conference. You can reach her by email at nora at theleadershipexperts.com. And if you feel like you want to share the echo effect with a friend, what Nora just shared with us today, Please be sure to share this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like us on your favorite podcast streaming service. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.